Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Three, two, one, blast off. Where are we going? Planet? Uh, thankfulness. Oh. Come with me and Rachel, Captain Rachel, and put on the astronaut helmet and get in the big ship and we're going to blast off and we're going to go to- my favorite Elton John song. The Planet of Thankfulness or- No, the lyrics you were just saying. Oh, Rocket right, Man? right, right. And it's like, mm-hmm. I think we're blasting off to new, new lands. So hold my hand and hold my other hand. I don't <laughs> think that you're holding hands at all. No, 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 no. I'm a blast off boy. Yeah. Blast off, boy! <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one. What's just, great is we already have the episode title. Yeah. It really, it can, and that's why we wrote this bit ahead of time. So here's how this whole thing came together. Rachel and I around, ugh, what do you think, like six o'clock, Henry was eating dinner. We were like, we have a little bit of time. We got in the writer's room. We sat down with mm-hmm. uh, Stefan. We sat down with uh, Daisy. And mm-hmm. we were like, guys, put our heads together. We got to come up with a good bit that's going to have a good name for it in the beginning of the episode. And they are like, what if you did like an Elton John thing, but you called it Blast Off Boy. And Rachel was like, that's not going to work. But then she didn't come up with anything better. Yeah. No, that's usually how it goes down. Yeah. You got any small wonders? Your 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blue. That's a, not even a small wonder, though. This We need a new, like, we have wonders, and we have small <laughs> wonders. We need, like, macro wonders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can, like, last, like, eternal several. wonders. An eternal wonder. Holy crap, guys. This was the most exciting, like, sports thing I think I've ever witnessed. It was incredible. Game, was game incredible. seven. Game seven. Against the Bruins. Took it to the limit. Boston. In Boston. Really rubbed their noses in. I know we. I know for a fact we have some Boston fans in the group. Yes. So I don't want to rub your specific noses in it. But boy, howdy, it felt good to just get one dunked right in there, huh? Yeah, that last game was incredible. It was just like everything was firing on all of the cylinders that there were. There were noose. They found new cylinders. They found new cylinders. They fired on them shits. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. I want to do uh, Thai fish cakes. I think they're, it's called, I'm going to butcher this, but it's Todman Pla. Uh, and I get them every time that we have, well, a, a Thai restaurant that has them. Uh, I don't know how you feel about these little bad boys, but I think they're real good. I do like them. I mean, do I like them as much as the 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues? No. No, but what if they did fill the Stanley Cup up with that like dope dipping sauce that has all that mm-hmm. spicy sediment sort of floating on the top mm-hmm. of it? And then you could dip your Todd Monopla right in there. Yeah. That's fun. That is fun. I love all the cussing that the boys did when they won the trophy. <laughs> These boys got very excited when they won the trophy. They did a lot of cusses. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they, that did get on that did get on TV. So that's a that's a shame. They hate that. They but, were just real excited. And can you blame them? Mm, no. they, they won the Stanley Cup for the first time ever. Hey, guess what? What? You go first this week. Oh. Hit me with it. Okay. Should I start out with my my jammer or should I start out with my slammer? Well, I have a jammer that I'm going to do second. So maybe save your jammer for second too and we can have our own little DJ block. Oh, it's not music. It's just like kind of the jam. Okay. You know? Okay. Like a slammer is like... Um, this is a dichotomy that I did not know existed yeah. in this show. Yeah, no. So a slammer is just like, it's like a slam dunk. It's like impressive from minute one. Okay. And then a jammer is just like a really good one. Got a long tail, the jammer does, you're saying. 
No, I still, baby, I'm still having trouble <laughs> grasping this. A slammer is a slammer is a, it's like it's like a fireworks display. Okay, and a jammer. A is, jammer is just like really good, solid. Like, so it, it sounds to me that a slammer is better than a jammer. Uh, on on the front end, yeah. But it has. You would say that the the jammer has more substance, and it has a long tail. You would say it's more a enjo- long tail. You're losing me with a little bit. Like it's l- enjoyable for longer. Like it sustains yeah. a little yeah. bit better. Yeah. Okay, all right. So which which one? Wow, uh, I you know I would love to finish with the jammer. So let's give me that slammer. Get things. This is wild that you <laughs> have categorized these this way. But let's hear the slammer. Bodie McBoat face. Oh, man, I wish I could go with you. Boy, I wish I could go with you. I love you more than anything in the whole world, and I wish I could go with you. But that boat. Well, how about how about I make it more broad? Okay, what I'm really talking about is when uh, the names of things get crowdsourced, and then they come up with amusing names. Yes, but is this because of the news story that came out today? Yeah. Okay, I saw the news story, and it was like, well, that's great. We're making leaps and bounds in science. But when history writes about this great discovery, <laughs> it, it's going to remember internet irony. And that's a thing that I would love to leave, leave behind in like the aughts and tens. Hey, what are we calling this decade? The tens? The teens? It's not the teens because 2012 wasn't a teen. What are we calling this year? Isn't, isn't that what you do on your other show? No, 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 no. No, we do years. I'm talking about the decade. What do we call... The tens? When you say like, oh, it was nineteen fourteen, do you say the roaring tens? What is it? Te- teens. I feel like teens. But eleven's not a teen. No, that's true. Yeah. What the beans? Bodie McBoatface. So it's March twenty sixteen, and there is an online poll to name a ship. Uh, this is an autonomous underwater vehicle used for scientific research. Uh, somebody apparently on a BBC radio station jokingly suggested Bodie McBoatface. Oh, a BBC person suggested this? Yes. Okay. And the name apparently was an homage to Hootie McOwlface, an owl named through an Adopt-A-Bird program in 2012. Okay. I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it has, the official name is the RRS Sir David Attenborough. No. But... Colloquially, it's called Bodie McBoatface. What's printed on the side of the fucking boat? Bodie McBoatfaces, because I saw a picture <laughs> of it today. Sorry, Sir Attenborough, but... So this spurred a naming convention that has since taken on new life. Right. A team at Sydney's Warwick Farm Racecourse paid homage with Horsey McHorseface. Fantastic. Which got attention because it won a race in Australia. Okay, that one's in the history books too. Cool. The Swedish transport company MTR Express conducted an online poll to name a new train on the Stockholm Gothenburg line. Can I guess? Yes. Trainy McTrainface? Yes. All right, I've got him. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Sydney Ferries. A lot of this happens in Australia. Oh, wait, there already is a Bodie. I know, that's how. Buckle up. Sydney Ferries allowed the public to name its fleet of Emerald-class ferries. The most popular name was Bodie McBoatface, but as it had already been taken, the judges opted to go instead for the second place, Ferry McFerryface. Here's what's interesting. So the Maritime Union of Australia refused uh, to work 
on the vehicle if it was called Fairy McFairy Face. And then it later emerged that the name actually had fewer than 200 votes, but that the new South Wales transport minister just declared that it won out of his own preference for it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess that's the power you get. That's why you, um, that's what that's why you that's why you reach for those political stars, you know. Would you like me to keep going? Yeah. Megabus United Kingdom hosted a Twitter poll in 2017 uh to name some of their new coaches. Mega McMegaface. <laughs> uh in March 2017, the Isle of Wight Council, which operates a floating bridge, Asked for suggestions. Despite council officials ruling out floaty McFloat face, there was a petition that attracted over 2,000 signatures and the council had to rescind and agree to name it that. How are, can I ask you something? How the (laughs) fuck are people still falling for this? You can't let this happen. I don't know. If that is the one blessed thing about Buddy McBoat face is that when it saves all of us from climate change, Uh people will be like, Wow. And what was the boat's name again? Uh, it did it because the internet decided what the name was. Oh, shit. I was about to open up a, a, a new store for men's erotic wear. Yeah, and I was going to have the internet name. No, 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 no. Do not. Do not do that. Um, I've got a few more. <laughs> uh, in December 2018, now this was a choice. The Formula E team... Uh, announced the name of their new car, which was called Electro Mick Electro Face. Oh, that sucks. For their electric God, car. God, that sucks. Uh, in 2018, there was a naming contest for a sculpture of a musk ox in uh, Canada. Uh, Musky Mick musk ox face. Was, oh, that sucks. Was in the running, but instead, Elon musk ox won. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. The internet can name something. <laughs> Um, San Diego was organizing people to bring a major league soccer team to the city and they invited people to name the team. Yowza. Uh, Footy McFooty Face, uh, received more votes. Uh, as of the time I read the article, I'm not sure if it ended up winning. I think they disallowed that one. Footy's probably my least favorite name for um football or soccer (laughs) when i hear people say footy it makes me so uncomfortable because it's such a sweet little pet name it'd be like if i called baseball like baseby (laughs) i'm gonna go down to the red uh, field because i'm gonna watch them play baseby baseby i take it back that's wonderful that's very good Or it's like people saying hockey oh well well shoot do you think it's actually called like hawk and (laughs) sucking But we shortened it. Hagendas is actually what it's called. Hagendas, yeah. There was some copyright issues. Uh, I think it's wonderful. I uh, I recognize that it may be uh, for posterity's sake. It's not great to give something an ironic, jokey name, but I really I like the people coming together across you know a large amount of communities to say, yes, Bodie McBoatface. It is innocuous enough. Do you remember the time that the NHL allowed uh, viewers to vote on a player that could get added to the All-Star game? And they added, oh God, I can't remember his name, Rory something or other. And he was not a, like an All-Star player. He was not a very good player. They like added him to the roster to like troll him oh. and troll the NHL by saying like, all right, you let us put him. And then he actually like held his own and he did oh, all I right. I don't know this story. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I clearly don't either, but <laughs> uh, do you want to know my first thing? Yes. My first thing is the Dustbuster 
or hand vacuum. I did not know this, but although I really should have, Dustbuster is, of course, a brand name uh, from Black & Decker. The little device, the cordless handheld vacuum is not called a Dustbuster. But much like Kleenex, Band-Aid, you know, whatever, I just call it Dustbuster because cordless hand vacuum does not does not work for me. Mm-hmm. We have one of these. We live in the 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 wilds of Austin, Texas, and that means we get bugs. Yeah, we have lots of bugs. We have so many freaking bugs and I don't like them. Rachel loves these things. She Hakuna Matata eats them all up, but I don't like them. Uh, Griffin and I play this game that we haven't talked about, and maybe Griffin doesn't realize he's playing, where I will see a bug corpse. Oh, in the morning when you get up? And I'll just kind of leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Griffin will take care of it. (laughs) If it makes it sound like me and Rachel are complete nastoids, I need you to understand that we've just grown so accustomed to having a dead bug somewhere. Uh, because they just crawl in our house like, mm, sweet, is this air conditioning? Let me get out of the... It's uh, a problem in Texas generally, yeah. just because of the hot temperatures. Yeah, uh, but... Little cockroach is like, I'm not just chilling here for... Oops, I died. And then... We've got, like, millipedes, which is not something that has ever happened to me before. which is not great. Anyway, Gushinum's not great, whatever. Uh, uh, especially the cockroaches. They're so big. There's a lot of goosh material in there. They're very... Guys, they're so fucking big. But... Scooping there with a dusty bust, you suck them right up. No, you, don't don't call it dusty bust. <laughs> and then you, yeah, that's not great. You suck it up, and then you take them outside, and dump it, and then you're you know it's like they were never there, and you don't have to touch a bug, and that's my favorite thing about it. Yeah. But there's all. I mean, this is our most common usage of it now. We literally just have it out of the cradle, like chilling <laughs> in the dining room because it's so centrally located, so we can just like rush and grab it. Um, and you know, we use it for messes too. Henry generates a lot of uh, muffin muffin crumbles, let's call them, uh, which you you just got to suck up. And I don't want to go lug the big vacuum cleaner out every yeah. time I do that. I want my little my little dust buster. Um, I've always been a fan of these. We had a dust devil growing up. Oh, slick little red number uh, that we dirt devil. Was it dirt devil or dust devil? A de- wait, a dust devil is like a small tornado, isn't it? Wait, hold on. Let me. I just searched a dirt Devon. <laughs> now hold on. Who this did is you return. find? Well, there's a guy named Devin Dirt, and he makes music. He's got a little. Uh, <laughs> looks like a little NPC, maybe a little launch pad. I bet he does some electronic stuff. Uh, okay, I'm gonna have to. I'll check that out later. Dirt Devin. <laughs> <laughs> is it dirt devil it is dirt devil a dust devil is a small tornado we have a dirt devil we had one growing up i think they're all red actually maybe they that's were like really the, yeah they were like little corvettes <laughs> they were sleek and we used it around the house there were three you know rambunctious young boys we made a lot of uh, muffin crumbles as well don't want to touch a yucky, a yucky mess bust it makes you feel good just get it right up in there <laughs> uh it's like a cool gun that you use to shoot messes but the stuff goes inside of it and it doesn't kill it kills messes, I guess, and some bugs that are too small <laughs> to survive the transportation process. Um, and I did not know this, but um, uh, it started life not as like a household product like we use it today. Uh, Black & Decker made it, made the original. Uh, they released it on the market in 1979. It became like a household name, but it wasn't the first time that they kind of took a swing at the cordless uh, handheld vacuum cleaner. I thought this was interesting. Uh, so the, the the cordless handheld vacuum cleaner was invented by uh, Mark Prowett and Carol Gantz. 
Um, and it was part of this series of battery-powered handheld tools uh, called the Mod 4 series, which also included a shrub trimmer, a lantern, grass shear, drill, and what they called the Spot Vac, which was the original name for it. Uh, and all of it shared like one single universal rechargeable battery, which I think is interesting because that's how um, – if you you know have a yard or whatever that needs tended and you have electric tools to do so it follows the same thing right like we have a little uh leaf blower and hedge trimmer and lawnmower and weed whacker all that use the same sort of universal battery and they were doing this back in like 1975 or something like that uh and so this project came out of the apollo space mission because nasa wanted a portable cordless drill that they could use to get core samples off the lunar surface without having a bunch of you know wires which makes sense so black and decker took that contract and worked on it and came up with this mod 4 series with the spot back uh and so it was like framed as like a power tool that you could have at your workbench and suck up i don't know sawdust small bolts or whatever the fuck now people use it to suck up kitty litter yeah and (laughs) big old cockroaches um it was a flop when it first hit the market like nobody bought the thing but after doing some market research they found uh that the uh, this is a quote the spot back was popular with women who use it to clean up uh like spills and messes from around the house they would yoink it and just like use it to clean up messes because it's a fucking vacuum i don't know how they whiffed so hard on this uh (laughs) and so they redesigned it to make it look like less like a power tool and more like a like an inviting uh you know home cleaning product they called it the dust buster and then it sold over a million units in the first year booyah yeah because those old vacuums used to be really heavy they were so freaking this is like a nice option if you don't want to do a whole room I can't imagine my life without it. Literally can't. Wow. <laughs> I can't. I use it every day to get bugs out of the house. If I, if you and I, I'm worried if you and I like ever leave the house for like two weeks, we would come back and it would be like that scene in Temple of Doom when they find the secret passage and they're walking and they're like, oh, it sounds like we're stepping on fortune cookies. And then they turn a light on its bugs. Oof. I think about that scene all the freaking time. Oof. When I found out we had millipedes, I thought of that scene and I didn't sleep that night. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, every time you use a dustbuster <laughs> from now on, just think about the fact that you're using like a moon mining instrument. Yeah. You're sucking up muffin jumbles. Well, guess what? Neil Armstrong was using that to get the precious lunar diamonds <laughs> off the surface of the moon. And then he used it. Ooh, oh, that'd be a great new Ocean's Eleven. Oh, going to the moon. Mm-hmm. Let's call it Ocean's Eleven again. That's fun. <laughs> Ocean's Apollo 13. Apollo Oceans. Oh, that's freaking good. I'm working on it. We could also do Apollo Oceans 9 and get, you know, Sandy B and the rest of them in the mix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Oceans 10. Here's the problem with Oceans 8, the Sandy Sandy B one. They can only make 8, 9, 10. They can only make three of those. Because then it gets back to 11, doesn't it? Right, you're right. Well, they could reduce... (laughs) They could go backwards. Ocean 7. Ocean 7. Start cutting some mattresses. That's great. <laughs> Sorry, Mindy Kaling. You're done. You're cut. <laughs> I don't need a jewel maker for this one. Bye. Hey, can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design 
or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. I have a personal message here. This one's for Marlo and it's from uh, Nissa or Nisa? Nice. Nice. Have I shown you that video? No. I haven't shown you hot food? No. Oh man, hot food's my small wonder. I'll show you later. <laughs> uh, anyway, Marlo, you are sort of a little cool. Thank you for getting me into making video games, buying junk from old and or dead people, and slowly becoming D&D shopkeepers together. Although I love you deeply, I must now put you on blast for not liking Shrek, you uncultured fool. I hope we are friends forever, or rivals, if that doesn't pan out. You know, I think it's okay not to like Shrek. No, it's not. I said it out I loud like and it Shrek. felt so filthy coming out of we my mouth. We watched it not long ago and I thought this is a pretty good film. Uh, a listener uh, whose name I do not have on hand sent us the children's book Shrek. Oh, that's true. Which predates the movie, did not know this. And Henry loves Henry's it. Henry is a big fan. He calls it Mancha Book, which is very, very, very good. <laughs> Can I read the next one? Yep, yep. It is a message for Ian. It is from Kristen. Ian, thank you for introducing me to the best family in podcasting, those good, good McElroys, and for being my wonderful thing every week. Here's to many more years of goofs, travels, less frequent moves, and those stupid but adorable kitties. Love you always, Kristen. Hmm. I usually look at these messages like a little riddle box of how can I get in there and, uh, you know, poke a little, do some of my japes. 
Well, it's hard when it's so complimentary of of us, right? I know. Like, that's it. I can't really bust out my kind of South Park humor on this one. It's, <laughs> too, it's about me. It's you just know? too sweet. And I don't want to turn that South Park humor back inward towards myself because I may not like what I see in there. Hey, Max Fun listeners. Have you been listening to Max Fun for a while and you've just been wondering, where's the new Flat Earth podcast I keep hearing about? Well, here it is. We give you all the facts on NASA's lies and how we know that the Earth is actually flat. Just, just kidding. kidding. <laughs> this is Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we join fringe religious groups. We undergo alternative medical treatments. And we hang out with people like 9-11 Truthers, Flat Earthers. We find out why do people believe strange things. We join them, and we tell you all about it. We have a lot of fun. We make a lot of friends. Yeah, we do. We joined the Mormons. We joined the Scientologists. We got acupunctured. We got fire cupped. We got ear candled. We've done it all, and we're going to keep doing it all. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? Hey, what's your second thing? <laughs> oh, this is going to be the slammer, isn't it? Oh, I'm ready. No, this is the jammer. Oh, all right. You had me start with the slammer, which was Bodie McBothface. Uh, can I say something? It's gonna. It's a little anticlimactic. I I should have way saved the slammer. Oh well, let's hear your jammer. <laughs> Art museums. <laughs> Come on and slam, and welcome to the jam. Hell yeah. What's the best art museum? Ooh, wow, you just went straight. I mean, the Louvre, of course. Okay, but not that one. Everybody says that one because they like to be cool. What's the best one? The best one? I mean, the Art Institute in Chicago is really yeah, good. Yeah, baby, that's right. I figured that was the one you wanted me to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> so follow your heart. Don't let me steer the conversation. <laughs> Uh, so I love an art museum. I really do. Oh, yeah. I I mean, not only do I like art, but a lot of what I like is just kind of the presence of being in this like big temple-like museum, you know, and like kind of feeling this voyeuristic feeling of like you're in somebody's really fancy house. Yeah. Just like walking around looking at their stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, it took me a while to get there. I never liked art museums. And we grew up with one in Huntington. That was actually yeah. pretty nice. I took you to it. And yeah, it's like I mostly like local one. art. And I, we did shows there, but it never like really resonated with me. And it really was not until the Art Institute. And I saw Nighthawks up on the wall. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's the, yeah, that's the one. That's that one painting. Yeah. And then I realized, like, wait a minute. All these paintings are old. <laughs> and now I really like art museums. Thanks, Nighthawks. <laughs> um, so scholars generally place the earliest museum in the 17th or 18th century Europe. Uh, prior to museums as we know them today, there were places called wunderkammerns or cabinets of wonders. Okay. And so basically rich people would get together uh, and sometimes they were literal cabinets fitted with cupboards and drawers and other rooms were stuffed with animal, mineral, vegetal, and artistic Treasures. <laughs> come on, in, come in. Mm, I've got a new, uh, I've got a new de- delectable Monet that you simply must see, and then you must see my vegetables. It's it's vegetal. I, I mispronounced it. Still, it's pretty good. <laughs> look at this you eggplant. Look at this eggplant. It's so round and purple. <laughs> it's like a, the, the most. Uh, it's the most supple eggplant. It's so supple. And, <laughs> The hue is so deep and dark, like the night sky. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my big ace upon my celery. 
<laughs> I've hung it in front of the new Matisse. <laughs> um, Have you seen? Don't even get me started on the minerals. <laughs> um, so the problem with uh, Wunderkammerns was that they were mostly for the wealthy. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't until the Enlightenment happened uh, that we started seeing museums open to the public. Uh, so the first museum, as we understand them today, is the British Museum in London. It was founded in 1750 as a gift to the British nation. Hmm. Uh, its core collection consisted of specimens. He acquired this uh, Sir Hans Sloan uh, when he was a medical doctor in uh, West Indian colonies. So there were plants, birds, seashells, and objects he purchased from other explorers. Uh, so when they started making these museum, the architectural reference to temples was intentional, symbolizing a space of protection and prestige. Uh, so most of the art museums you see like still have that look. And that was like a very European thing to do of like signifying like this is a great, important space. Yeah, you know, sure. To make it look like a, you know antique nobody touched the it's basically that is the <laughs> defining characteristic well one thing i thought about too is interesting so uh there's something called the white cube approach which is kind of what you see in museums where they minimize visual distractions so it's like white walls right you know solid floors that was like something actually started in the 1930s under the direction of alfred barr uh it was this idea of like minimizing distractions and that's at the museum of modern art in new york before that they just had like wallpaper with like wild neon lasers like those old school photo backgrounds well, if you look at some of the older galleries they used to put like 50 paintings on a wall and yeah. they were just all right next to each other and like it it was less about like zeroing in on like one distinct piece it was yeah. more like a whole wall packed in and you got to throw a golf ball and whichever one you hit you took home <laughs> they had so much more fun back then. Well, what if you damaged the painting? Why would you want it when you threw the ball? No, you have to take it if you damage it. You don't oh. understand. Yeah. Okay. So the ball throwing is for what then? Fun. Okay. So are you, it was thinking, the it was the are great, you thinking of the circus? I'm thinking of the goldfish game at the circus. Thank you, baby. Okay. Uh, I grew up with the St. Louis Art Museum, which is really, really incredible. They have more than 30,000 works. Uh, and the building they currently use was from the Louisiana Purchase in 1904, so the World's Fair. Uh, and so it's like a super old, incredible building that's been around since the World's Fair. I like, and I don't know that I've ever really been to one that I would classify as this. I really want to. Like those more modern, like uh, interactive, especially like digital art music. What is the name of the one in New Mexico that you like climbed down a washing machine to get to? You were the one that told me about it. Oh, shit. Okay, never mind. I'm going to do a wonderful segment on this maybe next week. <laughs> okay. But the ones where I see pictures, especially my friends who go to Japan, I feel like they have a lot of art exhibits yeah. like this where you like go into the rooms that are like either mirrors like everywhere with lights and, you know, organized in a specific way to create these like incredible patterns. Like the shit you can get into, that looks really neat. Mm -hmm. That looks really nice. Yeah, I, I, it's just, a, it can be such a like a contemplative, like calm space, you mm -hmm. know, or it can be like really super engaging if you go. Like, I got to see a really great uh, museum when I was in Atlanta. I went to the 
High Museum, I believe it's called. Uh, and it was so awesome. Um, I also like a history museum. I know it's a different thing, but like a lo- especially like a local history museum where you can learn about like where you are. We did the one in Hong Kong and it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was really cool. That was something that we started doing when we went to Japan. That's right. Yeah, we went to the and Ueno, we did it and we went to Hong Kong. The Ueno too. Museum and, you know, we didn't really know anything about the local history. And so like doing that on your first day really helps you get a feel for, um, you know, what the place is. I got to find the name of this museum. It's something cat. Wolf. It's called Meow Wolf, the New Mexico one. Oh. It's so wild. This is a sneak preview. I'm totally going to do this. It's there. I think there's a refrigerator door you can go into. I want to go there so bad. Anyway, I think Let's there's- Let's take a trip. Okay. D- d- right now? Uh, not right now. Okay. Let's go to- I bet Henry would love it. We could make yeah. a trip up to New Mexico. Yeah. That's not too far, right? No. Okay. All right. It's a date. Let's do it. Uh, I want to talk about my second thing. Yes. It's Elvis Costello, Rachel's very favorite musical artist. (laughs) Here's what I'll say about Elvis Costello. Okay. You know when you're listening to an Elvis Costello song. (laughs) He was very uh, skillful at creating a sound uh, that was very easily identifiable. In terms of his voice. Yes. Okay. Not necessarily so much the song, because I would argue that he has like gone through a few different genres at this point. Uh, it's not that I, I dislike him. I just don't revere him. It's an acquired taste. I will give you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy his like music, right? Like I think he has several songs that are both slammers and jammers. Uh, but I like what I revere is his songwriting ability. I think he's like probably the best living songwriter. Uh, I, yeah, here's the other thing. Like, I know you're not a fan. I also like only ever sort of get in moods where I really want to listen to Elvis Costello. And the rest of the time I could take or leave him because the truth about him is like, he has a lot of songs that I do not think are very good. Uh, but that's because just sort of law of large numbers. He has so many songs. He has the most songs. What is it? Uh, so in 2013 ASCAP, which is the American society of composers, authors, and publishers, uh, said that he had written 566 songs. Some of them are for other people, and a couple of them are like translations and stuff. Also, that was six years ago, and he's released more music since then. That is a truly pre- like preposterous number of songs when you think about like how many songs the Beatles put out, how many songs you know Eric Clapton put out. 566 is like a wild, wild, wild amount. He has 33 studio albums. 33 studio albums. He has six live (laughs) albums and 16 compilation albums. Um, So like he writes a ton of music and some of it's like brilliant, beautiful, awesome music. And some of it I could take or leave. Um, I didn't really get into Elvis Costello until I was in college. Justin's always been a pretty big fan of his. Uh, College seems like about the right time to start enjoying Elvis Costello's music Um, because it can be kind of intimidating to like know where to jump in. Like how do you get into somebody who has 566 songs? That's a really good point. Um, and I mean, I found, I found a way, I think the compilation albums are usually a pretty good bet. If you find an album called the best of Elvis Costello, then that's probably a pretty good like roadmap for, for how to get started. Um, and once you get into a man, I think his lyrics are so like clever and playful, uh, and really subtle sometimes. Uh, his, like one of his best known songs is radio radio. It is like this, like 
brutal takedown of the music industry when he uh, when he first wrote it. I think it was late 70s or something like that. Uh, and it's about like the, com- the, the, the commercialization of radio. Um, and th- this is like one of his most infamous stories is during uh, Saturday Night Live. He was the musical guest on Saturday Night Live back in the 70s. And um, he was playing one of his songs called Less Than Zero. And in the middle of it, he stopped doing that song and he debuted Radio Radio, which is just like dragging the radio industry. And they banned him from being on Saturday Night Live for 12 years. Wow. Uh, The song rules. And there's a, a, a lyric that goes, radio is a sound salvation. Radio is cleaning up the nation. They say you better listen to the voice of reason, but they don't give you any choice because they think that it's treason. So you better do as you are told. You better listen to the radio. Um one of like his most famous songs you know one of his rare actual like pop hits is every day i write the book and it's about you know a relationship framed as a fiction novel uh and i think it's the second verse that goes uh chapter one we didn't really get along chapter two i think i fell in love with you you said you'd stand by me in the middle of chapter three but you were up to your old tricks in chapters four five and six like the first time i heard that i was like oh that's yeah that's that's pretty great that's really freaking good and like there's so many songs that have so many like great moments in it like that. Uh, sometimes like they reach into being like kind of full blown corny because he kind of just puts it puts it all out there. Um, but I don't know. It's it's the fun thing about him is that there's just so much. Some of it I don't like. Some of it I love. But also like I've been listening to his music for you know a decade now and there's still songs of his I haven't heard. Like today, when I was prepping this segment, I heard new songs of his I had never heard. And I was like, oh, that's actually really good too. Do you want to play one of those new songs? Uh, I'm actually going to start off with Veronica. Because Veronica is is uh, maybe his... You don't know Veronica? No, I know that one. Okay, I was about to say. Um, it's off of his album Spike. I forget when that one came out. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of his best known albums. Uh, Spike has a bunch of jammers on it. But this is Veronica. This is like, this is the beauty of Elvis Costello. This song uh, rules. It's like this epic, upbeat rock song. Uh, and it's really catchy. It's his highest charting song in the US ever. And also, it's a song about an older woman living with Alzheimer's. Didn't realize that oh, until yeah, I, no. yeah. Uh, Veronica sits in her favorite chair and she sits very quiet and still. And they call her a name that they never get right. And they, and if they don't, nobody else will. Uh, but she used to have a carefree mind of her own with a devilish look in her eyes saying, You can call me anything you like, but my name is Veronica. Oh my God, it's so fucking Wild. good. Uh, it's like a classic. And there's any number of other like classic Elvis Costello songs that I, you know, could play here. Um, but what I also like about him is it's, you know, over, it's been almost two decades between Veronica and the next song I want to play. It's called Bedlam. And I came off a more recent album, I think 2005 or so. It's called The Delivery Man. Uh, it came out my, my freshman year of college and it was like a big gateway for me. Uh, and it still sounds like classic Elvis, Elvis Costello, but it also just fucking rules. This is Bedlam. I 
I don't have much analysis for that song. I just think it rocks. I just think it's a really good song. Um, I think even if you are not a fan of his voice or a fan of his music, like I think it is worth listening to some Elvis Costello just to realize what a tremendous impact he has had on like so many artists throughout history. Um, some artists that like quote him as being uh, an influence, obviously they might be giants. I think if you are yeah. a fan of they might be giants and you listen to Elvis Costello for the first time, you're like, oh shit, that's where a lot of this sort of wry, sad song disguised as an upbeat pop song comes from. Uh, also, though, Foo Fighters, Radiohead, Green Day, uh, and Prince always cited Elvis Costello as a big inspiration. Uh, so many artists, I think, when you when you listen to how Elvis Costello writes songs, you will see traces of like his influence just just everywhere. It's so interesting because like I the music is always so solid that I know I've never really paid that much attention to the lyrics before. Um, there are some. There's a, there's some songs that don't have very solid music in okay. it. <laughs> I mean, it was the '80s, and like I feel like everybody who yeah. made music in the '70s and then the '80s and then continued making music in the '90s had one album in the '80s where they discovered like synthesizers yeah. and you know like FM keyboards, and they were like, "Oh, this is gonna, this is the fucking future, pal." <laughs> and then you listen to those albums back, and it sounds like a fucking Sega Genesis game, and you're like, "Oof, oofa doofa." Um, but yeah, I mean, his he is he is. Uh, I think the best living lyricist uh, these these days. Ooh. I would recommend going into his music and, Bold and claim. To it. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at just raw, sheer tonnage of music written, I think he, I think he takes the cake. Well, I'll tell Paul McCartney and Bob Dylan that you say no thanks. I think. I think Paul McCartney and Bob Dylan's hit rate is maybe even lower than Elvis Costello's, and maybe they're <laughs> going to put me in jail for saying that out loud. Uh, you want to hear what our friends at home are excited about? Yes. Sarah says, I love eating fruits and vegetables right out of the garden in the summer. My sister has a small garden, and every time I visit, I'm met with tomatoes and strawberries that are perfectly ripe and very good. Oh, that's so nice. I miss when we had, well, you had a garden. I did. Yeah, it's it's so much work. It is a lot of work. I got these three succulents on my desk and they're already dying. Oh no, Griffin. No, they're doing all right. They're just not gonna get any sun there. It's fine. I'll vacuum them up when they go. Uh, <laughs> here's one from Isabel who says, My small wonder is that point in the summer where it's hot enough to wear a big shirt to bed as pajamas. Oh. It's easy and it keeps you downstairs breezy. Oh. This was my shit like in like growing up up to like high school every night regardless of just it a was big shirt just a big old shirt my dad got these like shitty big shirts from the radio <laughs> station and you bring them home and i would be like well i don't care too much about travis tritt i guess but i will wear his big shirt to sleep thank you dad <laughs> you still you'll still do this sometimes yeah, yeah no i love it i love it not as much as i used to i mean they used to design I guess they were nightgowns. I guess when I think about it, they were nightgowns. nightgowns. (laughs) Alex says, I really enjoy it when you're driving on a dark country road and you see an oncoming driver switch off their brights in the distance. I like that too. It's like. It is nice. That's very courteous. Somebody's thinking of me. Somebody's thinking about me and my eyes and my driving. Somebody knows the rules too, right? Yeah. It's like when it's raining out and you see people that don't turn their headlights on and you're like, you don't know the rules. You don't know the rules. Unsafe. I'll point at them. Unsafe. Unsafe. Everybody else rolls their windows down and points. Unsafe. (laughs) 
hey, uh, thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to Maximum, Maximum, Maximum Fun. Maximum freaking fun, dude. It's a great network that hosts a lot of great shows. Been trying to tell you. Stop podcasting yourself. There's a very good one. Switch also, yes, Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Kind of your dog. Friendly Fire. <laughs> boop, boop. And so many more at MaximumFun.org. We got other stuff at McElroy.Family. We're going to guest on Jordan Jesse Go here in a couple weeks here in Austin. So come see that. I think that's about it. I think that's going to wrap it on up for us. Tie it up with a nice little bow and get it back to the barn before the hailstorm starts. Brown paper packages, you know, tied up. Tessie, did you get the string? Tessie, did you get the hogs in before a hailstorm starts? Yes. Slop them and flop them, Tessie. The hails are coming. Yes. Play with me. <laughs> no. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. <laughs> Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My Uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun.